is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 430, recorded Thursday, April 4th, 2019. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. We are here to talk about the feedback that we received from you about the season finale of The Walking Dead, season nine. All right. So not only are we going to read the feedback, we're going to talk about the feedback. Well, that's kind of what we do. We read it. It we is list, kind of do. We listen to it. We talk about it, discuss it, break it down, disagree with it, agree with it, all those things. Uh-huh. That's right. I agree with you. Often it changes our minds. Sometimes it stimulates interesting conversation. I mean, not very often, but sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it'll even change my mind for half an hour. <laughs> right. Before you forget all about it and then revert back to your default state. That's right. That's okay. That's all right. Well, everyone, there's lots of feedback to do. But the other thing we always do on these feedback shows is take a look at the live broadcast ratings for the episode. And Jason, I don't think it's a surprise. I don't think it will be a surprise to you to hear that the ratings went up a little bit, or at least the number of uh, viewers went up a little bit for the Sunday night airing of the season finale. Uh, no, no, based on your theory, uh, I'm not surprised. But do you want to take a, sh- a stab in the dark at what the number is for the storm? Uh, 478,000. It's a little low. 44.7 million. <laughs> 5.02 million. Hey, 5.0. That's great. 5.02. Don't forget yeah, that. Yeah, I rounded. 0.02. Yeah, I, I rounded that. That's almost... A million people more than watched the com before. So that's a pretty significant increase, I would say. It is. It really is. And I'm happy. I to hope they're not that. disappointed that they tuned in those million people. Right. Because none of them will ever come back. Well, I mean, we got, you know, I was disappointed. I know. But I knew I was going to watch. I, mean, I would hate to have to you know, come back. It's like, well, it's the finale. I've heard good things about this show this season. The last episode apparently was pretty good. I'm going to watch this. Like, what the hell is this crap? Mm. Yeah, that would be unfortunate if someone just tuned into the finale or just dropped in once in a while. and A million and, people did. Yeah. Well, they did. Well, I mean, come on. It's it's a step in the right direction. Uh, yeah. I hope some of them stick around. If, if 50% of them stick around because they thought that's it good. was great, that's good. Yeah. That's almost 5,000 people. 5,000. <laughs> Apparently I'm not doing math today. Oh, it doesn't sound like it. No, it doesn't sound like it. All right. Well, let's jump right into our feedback then. Let's do it. Listener feedback. Okay. Our first item here is an email from Corey in Oregon. Corey says, holy crap. That was by far the worst episode of the entire season. It was so tedious and boring with absolutely no character development and no cliffhanger for season 10. The entire episode was literally the pack just walking and having side conversations. Oh, and throw in a couple frozen zombies that pose absolutely no threat whatsoever. Finale episodes are supposed to be, you wrap up the current season and end with a cliffhanger to look forward to next season. What even was the point of the storm? To show that Negan cared about Judith? To show that they can easily just keep walking as they always do? Or to show the sanctuary again? The storm felt so out of place. Season 9 has been incredible so far, but this finale was god-awful and really left a sour taste in my mouth. 
I'm not looking forward to season 10 as much as I was earlier. Well, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't hold it against season 10 already. Uh, no, but I mean, you know, an episode can really jack up your, your excitement, enthusiasm level, or just kill it. And unfortunately for Corey, it seems to have just killed it. Yeah. Corey, stay the course. And, uh, let's just plow through the, the, the summer and the, uh, the early fall, and then we'll get, come back and, uh, everything will be fine. Well, we hope so. Yeah. Um, Jason, remind, uh, remind me what your feeling on cliffhangers is. Are you a cliffhanger fan or not? I'm a cliffhanger fan. Okay. But, uh, but I need something, it, it can't be like the, uh, the Negan cliffhanger. It has to be like a known situation that, uh, is unresolved instead of an unknown situation, right? Like right. swinging the bat down and, you know, killing somebody and not telling us who is cheap. Uh, the one I'm thinking of in particular, I think it was season three to season four of Star Trek, the next generation, or it might've been four and five. I'm going to spoil the eighties if that's yeah. okay. Here comes a spoiler, everybody. Yeah. When Captain Picard was, uh, taken by the Borg and then, uh, at the end they, they had to shoot the Borg ship and, uh, right at it's, so the end of the season was, uh, Captain Picard was uh, Lacutus of Borg and, uh, they, Riker they built a super weapon to fight the Borg and right at the end of the episode before the end of the season, he said fire. And then they cut away. We had to wait till next season to find out what happened after they actually fired. That's awesome. Their super weapon. It was awesome. So that's what I want out of a cliffhanger. I want uh building tension. And then just when we think we're going to get to a resolution of that tension and just something happens where you have to wait for the resolution instead right. of just not telling the fire and then everybody going <gasps> and not telling us what happened is different. Well, uh, well, but that sounds like exactly what they did. They fired the weapon and you don't know what happens. Yeah, but we know what the situation is, right? We knew that uh, Captain Picard was captured by the Borg and that they were in a dire straits and they had a super weapon and they were about to fire the super weapon. But uh, with Negan, uh, they, you know, it did happen. The thing happened. He hit somebody in the head. Right. But they just cheated us by not telling us who. Right. So if Negan hadn't swung the bat, it would have been a better yeah. cliffhanger for you. Absolutely. Okay. I, I was going to say the two situations seem a little similar to me, but I can see what you're saying, where the thing happened and they withheld information instead of oh, yeah. the thing not happening. I get it. I, I think you're absolutely right. Thank you for helping me distill that down to my actual point instead of me rambling on about Star Trek, because <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten there by myself. So you're absolutely right. That's the difference that I was uh, that I was aiming for was, uh, you know, just withholding information is not a cliffhanger. Yeah. It's just annoying. Yeah. Well, I... I would agree with you, although for me, another good way to do a cliffhanger is to um, tease something that's coming up that, that, you you know, you may not know what it is. It might be related to what's going on, um, but just give us enough information to be like, oh, something exciting is going to happen. As long as you've resolved what's going on in the current story that you're watching, you can tease something new. And I think that... May not be the classic definition of a cliffhanger, but it does leave you wanting more. And yeah. uh, I think that works too. And that's kind of what they did in this episode. Although I think the voice on the radio at the end is a pretty weak tease because it's just a voice on a radio. It could, it's, it's not really teasing the return of a character. It's not teasing, um, 
you know, some sort of savior to come in and help rebuild the kingdom or something like that. It's yeah. teasing a, a voice, a mystery voice. And that's not a lot to go on. I mean, it depends on how you do it too. I mean, Lost did it when uh, their first contact with the outside world, uh, I think was a bit of a, was a cliffhanger. Like with, uh, it was uh, Charlie down in the, the water hatch uh, in the looking glass. You remember that when, uh, and then, the con he was able to get contact with the outside world and then they cut away before anything was really revealed. But when doing that, uh, in Lost's case, it was the first time in seasons that they've had contact with anybody not on the island. Here, we have groups of people that are spread out all over the place. And we even have a group of people that we know are out there that have technology uh, that we can that it's probably Maggie, like it's probably Maggie <laughs> off with, uh, with Georgie's group. Right. Yeah. So we, it's not really a teaser. It's more of a, yeah, we know who that is. What the hell? Yeah. I'm not convinced that we really know that it's probably Maggie. I would agree with you. It's probably Maggie, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not so sure it, it could be somebody new altogether. And this is why I, I don't think it's the most effective kind of cliffhanger because there's not a lot to get excited on there, a voice on yeah. the radio. Well, we've had new people show up in this show before, like in, encountering new groups. It happens all the friggin' time. It does happen right? all the time. But I, what I'm trying to say is that um, if I think if they had dropped something into what the voice said, teased something in, in the oh, yeah. message that was delivered, it would have given us something to latch onto rather than just a, Hey, I'm broadcasting to the open air. Is anyone there? Yeah. You hear, you know, like whatever that could be, <laughs> could be anybody. Um, but if they put some info in there that yeah. made it if exciting. We've launched missiles. Get out of there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. What the hell's going on now? Well, there you go. That's right. So <laughs> that's, that's all. That's all I'm saying about cliffhangers. I don't really think of this episode as having a cliffhanger. It has a minor tease for something we've seen lots before on this yeah. show. So, uh, yeah, we're broadcasting into the, into the open air. Uh, be warned. We've released the Kraken. See, no, that's something to be concerned about and is new information. Right. Gives us Holy something shit, to a Kraken in who, Washington. Who, who would have thought a Kraken was coming? It gives us something to latch onto, think about, anticipate for season 10, you know? Yeah, exactly. All right. A land, land Kraken. I don't know. The Kraken's more of an ocean thing. So maybe it's a <laughs> land Kraken. What do you call it? a dragon? We've released a dragon. A land, work. land kraken may be a, the closest <laughs> thing as a dragon, yeah. <laughs> it's, more, it's more Godzilla than dragon. Oh, maybe. But Godzilla's water too, right? So, like, he swims around in the ocean. He does. Aren't they making a new Godzilla movie? Yeah, I think it comes out later this year. Jesus, they, they, they gotta stop. Every couple of years, Godzilla, man. They gotta stop. And then King Kong. So it's Godzilla, King Kong, Godzilla, King Kong. Are they ever gonna get together? Uh, and have a baby? I don't know. No, but they had King Kong versus Godzilla at one point, right? Oh, maybe in some B-movie form. They've had all the other monsters versus each other, though. Yeah, and then throw in a Predator and a, an alien. Of course. We're good to go. Like, that's that's a franchise. Get a Terminator in there and you have everybody. I don't know. I don't know. Terminator is too far. Okay. That, far. That's time travel. I'm just talking about monsters. Sure. Not really. <laughs> All right. Well, while we think about the land cracking, let's move on to the next email. All right. Mark from San Suanisa? No, Swansea. Swan Have you never Swansea. No. Okay, at a Swansea. map? <laughs> no, I've never seen a map. What's a map? 
<laughs> okay, fair. Mark from Swansea, South Wales. My apologies. Uh, Mark writes, uh, my immediate reaction to this episode was, even though it was a good episode, it did not feel like a season finale and therefore was a little disappointing. However, while thinking about it a bit more, I'm more than satisfied with its conclusion. This season, we've had so many big moments. Rick leaving the show, a massive time jump, Enid being cloned and her head being put, the clone's head being put on a pike, the pike season in general. The lack of a genuine shock moment in the finale did not fall flat because the moments we've already had this season. So consider the season as a whole. Don't look at its parts and think of it as one giant, bowl of awesome. And overall, yeah. I kind of do agree with that, despite the uh, one or two shortcomings. You know, it was really good still. The season? Yeah, the whole season. Okay, good. You weren't just talking about this last episode. No, the last episode was one of the shortcomings. The whole yeah, season yeah. Okay, overall no, I'm with you now. was really good. Good. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, yes, and I'm interested to know more about Enid's clone's head being put on a spike. So yeah, well, rip- what else are you going to do? You're not going to you're not going to kill Enid. No. Right? She's the spy. Yeah, you can't, can't kill her. She's been brought in from the cold and they needed a plausible reason to get her away from this group. Yeah, that's exactly of her how. Just disappearing. That's exactly how season 10 will start. It'll just start with Enid going about her business at uh, Alexandria. Yeah. And they, it also explains why we have zombies. There's obviously some kind of issue with the cloning process that released some kind of uh, disease that affected the uh, uh, the lower part of your brain. You know, sometimes I, I think about the fact that this could be the episode of our podcast that is the first one that somebody listens to. And if that's the case, they hear things like this and go and like, they either go, man, these guys have it all figured out or what the fuck's with that guy? And yeah, that clones, guy's gone off on the rails like six times and they've only gone through two emails so far. clones and <laughs> land krakens and all kinds of bizarre stuff. So Yeah. Okay, I'll try and tone it. I'll dial, I'll dial it back. No, that that's fine. I mean, the people who have been with us for a long time know exactly what this is like. And I didn't mention the lich. Not in a long or, time, Or actually. the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, our next email is from Designer Will. And he says, I really liked this episode. This might have been my favorite of the season. I thought there was a great balance of characters, good pacing, and lots of the episode was quite tense. Just the colder weather amped up the tension. While I wouldn't call it perfect, there was so much to enjoy. Highlights included the narrative style, and the show opened with lots of different settings. I was also really surprised to hear them mention Maggie. Could that have been her on the radio? Yes and yes. Yeah. So Jason believes it is. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm not so convinced. But uh, Well, they got to keep bringing Maggie up in conversation or we're going to forget her. And then, you know, two seasons from now when she shows up, the people that haven't seen the show in a while are like, who's she again? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm not so sure anyone would forget who she is, but. I don't know. Some people just, you know, they come in and they leave and they come in and they leave. It's not like you and me. And a lot of our fantastic listeners that watch this show all the time, like you've never watched the show and all of a sudden there's like somebody there and like, who's that guy? Um, yeah, I guess that can happen. It can. Yeah. But I don't really start many shows in the middle. So. No, but you watch a show and then stop for a long time. Oh yeah. Right. And then you come back and you start watching it again and you're like, who's that guy? I Shit. I got to find out who that guy is again. God, some shows between seasons, I forget what's going on. Like. Uh, we watched all the first season of the OA and I, I remember really enjoying it. And then I watched a recap of season one before season 
just as season two was coming out. Yep. And I swear I didn't see like half the footage in that recap. So <laughs> I don't know what I was doing while I was watching season one, but. Well, that's why I go back and rewatch the entire series of a television show before each, before each season comes out so that I know what's going on. That's why I went back and watched all the MCU movies before the, uh, the new, uh, the new Marvel movies coming, coming out. The, the last Avengers film, right? Yeah. Yeah. The next Avengers film. It's not the last Avengers film. Well, it, it's Avengers Endgame. It's the last in the current series of Marvel Cinematic Universe. Any yeah, they're going to be going into phase four, but that's, that's, they're still going to make movies and stuff. It's not the last Avengers film. They'll have another one, right? Well, I mean, they like making money, so I imagine they're still going to make movies. Yeah. Okay. I, I look forward to phase four. Me too. All right. Next, we have an email from Trisha in... MA, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Didn't I have the same problem with the same person last week? It could be. I apologize. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this out. Mass. I don't know how to spell Massachusetts, so <laughs> fine. Trisha in Massachusetts writes, according to Google, uh, shortwave radio travels much farther than broadcast FM. Shortwave broadcast can easily be transmitted over a distance of several thousands of kilometers, including uh, one continent to another. So... Could we be hearing Alicia, the island where they're holding Rick, Maggie, or someone across the Atlantic? Yeah, we could be hearing any of those people. And I, I don't, you know, we didn't talk about this really about the distance of shortwave radio or anything. But with that kind of range, uh, Trisha is just trying to say, this could be anybody. It could be new, could be Alicia, which is an interesting idea, actually, to be get radio communication from Fear the Walking Dead. That's That right. would be kind of fun. We could talk to Morgan again. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, I wanted to throw that in there because it's something I hadn't really thought of that. I mean, good God, we could be hearing someone from Spain for all we know. Yeah. That's I, a long way away. I also didn't know that about shortwave radio. The, the name is kind of, well, that, know, I mean, confusing. I know ham radio goes a long distance and that's why they have, uh, why people do ham radio because on good weather, they can talk to people like on the other side of the planet because the, the radio waves will bounce off the upper atmosphere. So it'll go past the curvature of the earth. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so, pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And are you sure that Trisha's in Massachusetts? Cause she used the word kilometers instead of miles. Uh, I'm pretty sure, but maybe she's just one of those enlightened Americans who uses the metric system. <laughs> All right. Cause MA as a country is Morocco. Yeah. Okay. No, uh, look, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but MA is definitely Massachusetts. I'm confused. Okay. Well. Trisha, write in and tell us where you're from and why you used kilometers. Right. Jason's very, very confused. <laughs> he needs to know. He needs to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, Trisha, for that email. Robert in Blue Springs, Missouri, which I'm sure is in the States. Me too. Robert writes. It's also spelt out, right? It's not just the abbreviation. Yeah, yeah. It helps, so I guess. It helps my brain. For sure. Robert writes, I was disappointed in the episode not being a typical finale, but The Walking Dead to me has always been a marathon. Things seem to happen sometimes when they are supposed to and sometimes not. Some season slash mid-season finales build up to a great season premiere, like them entering Terminus and then escaping. Some finales are the best ever seen in TV history, like the barn scene with Sophia. So when The Walking Dead slapped me in the face at the end of the calm before, instead of the storm, I can look back and appreciate it and say, you got me. Yep, you got me. Okay, that's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, The Walking Dead is, well, I mean, it's it, it does feel like 
the calm before was more of the climax of the season and the storm was a bit of a denouement as we transition yeah. into next year. Yeah. It was, you know, every, every once in a while you need to have the characters walk around for a while. Well, you do actually just to move things around and, and have some time for them to talk. You know, sometimes people just need to walk and talk. That's true. Right? Yeah. There you go. No, that's true. All right. Next we have a call from Greg. Hey, what's up, Chris and Jason? This is Greg from Maryland. I just wanted to chime in on the feedback section. I just had one question that was bothering me during that last episode. Why didn't anybody ask Lydia, where do the whisperers go during the cold months? I felt if they had asked that one simple question in the first five minutes, they could have dealt with something totally different to finish out the episode. I just feel like this last episode was a complete waste of time and it just put a whole damper on season nine. I just felt like the whole season was like a prize fight where they was ahead on points and then they just let it out there for the one ghost punch to come in there and just take the whole season down. Okay, guys, that's it. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. So this is something that a couple of people brought up. Um, the fact that Lydia should have known that the Whisperers, you know, go south for the winter and therefore wouldn't have been a threat. Now, maybe we can assume that this is the first time they've gone south for the winter, so she wouldn't know. But why doesn't anyone ask the question? Like, what can you tell us about the Whisperers to give us an advantage over them in any situation, whether it's mm -hmm. where they go, how they move, uh, what they do, you know, uh, how far they spread out around, like to gather information, all those things. But um, we haven't seen any of that happen yet. Yeah. I mean, do they kill some bison and dress up in their clothes and wander around with herds of bison in the winter to keep warm instead of zombies? I mean, anything really. It's it's helpful information, but she's not delivering it. I'm, I'm assuming that now I'm assuming, I wasn't assuming before because I didn't think about it, but uh, uh, I'm assuming that they did pump her for information and, uh, you know, the time jump that we had, the little time jump of a couple of months, uh, that they would ask her, Daryl would ask her, you know, to, what, tell us about their society. What are they like? Where do they, where do they go? What do they do? How does it work? Uh, you know, anything for, for this information. So I assume she did give them the information that they wanted, or she just brooded for two months and didn't talk to anybody and refused to eat and wouldn't come out of her room. Well, uh, that, that could be too. Yeah. But I mean, he was interrogating her when she was a prisoner still right now, they were focusing on some stuff then that was relevant to the situation at the time. Like, you know, how many, how many of you are there and where, where are you all the time and things like that. Um, why but, do you care about territory when you're nomads and wander around for all over the place? Yeah. Why, why are you still here? Like, why don't you just go someplace else? Right. Go someplace else. But you know, those sorts of things were important at the time. Now though, would be the time for the true kind of breakdown on how the whisperers work. I mean, you, you have one of them amongst you who, as far as we know, is completely defected and is a hundred percent on our side. Right. So yep. why not bring that, all that information? Why not ask for it? I feel like this is the kind of thing that might actually come up. It's like, look, yes, the whisperers are a threat. Um, but you know what? They bugger off all winter. So we can do whatever we want until April when it's spring again. 
and, uh, you know, maybe get ready and prepare for them. So it's a pretty good yeah. point, I think. It is a very good point. And they, uh, you know, it's, we're stuck in that, uh, people not giving information that is critically relevant to what's going on in the world. Like I remember when Sadiq said that, uh, he needed to get practice with, uh, with kids and then Michonne asked him why. And he said, I'll tell you later. Oh he never yeah. Told her. Does Michonne know that, uh, uh, that she's pregnant? I, I don't know. We have no idea. I assume not. Uh, um, that Rosita's pregnant, you mean? Rosita's, yeah, yeah Rosita's pregnant. Uh, yeah, we got, we have no idea. I don't know. We just, I mean, are we under the assumption uh, of that, that trope where if the camera doesn't see it, neither do the characters, which means if they don't tell us something on screen, the characters don't know about it? Well, maybe. I don't know. The The thing about the the Lydia situation, though, is... Or the, the situation you're talking about, usually the audience does know something and the characters aren't sharing it amongst themselves. Right. Okay. So three's company. Uh, a sort of a three's company situation. Exactly. Yeah. It, with the Lydia situation, the audience, you and me don't know. The right. characters don't know either. And it's, um, it makes no sense that the characters wouldn't talk about it. Right. And it, you know, you can't have characters knowing things that the audience doesn't know. I mean, I guess you can. Sure they can. They do that all the time. I mean, they're, they're hiding in from the reason that Lydia hasn't told them is because the writers want us to be unaware of what the, uh, the whispers are like so that they can maintain some level of mystery so that something can happen next season. Mm, you're right. I'm yeah, that's stupid to say that characters can't know things that the audience doesn't. But in this case, it really feels like, yes, they're just withholding information so that they can, for dramatic purposes. Yeah. It's like if you tell the audience the plan, it never works. If you don't tell the audience the plan, it always works. Right. So they're, she's, they're not telling us stuff so that they can have something happen dramatically. Uh, and that, you know, Lydia could, can now say, oh, I knew that. I should have told you that. Right. But right. I didn't. But. <laughs> you know, when now things are messed up. Well, let's move on to the next email here, because having said all of that, Trevor in Watford, UK, it's my turn, right? It is. He writes, one thing about this week's podcast, I believe towards the end of the episode, Beta said to Alpha that it was good that she took some time away from the group, not that they all took some time away. Maybe it was just her or her and a small group of whispers who went south, leaving a big group of them back up, you know, at home. So the whispers are actually around in the winter and all of this is just a big misunderstanding. And they're what, 40 feet from the left of the snowstorm? Uh, no, I think, no. I mean, Alpha and Beta and a few have gone somewhere where it is warm. Oh, I see. So it's just, they are on vacation, not everybody's on vacation. Correct. That's what- Okay. Which, which actually makes a lot of sense because what are they going to do? They're going to bring their herd with them? I assume so. Well, I assume they would if they all went. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. That's a really good point. I didn't, uh, I didn't think about that. And it comes. So maybe just uh, Alpha and Beta and Charlie and Delta and Echo and Foxtrot <laughs> all went uh, on vacation. Yeah. And then uh, that was it. Uh, yeah. Well, and Foxtrot. That's right. It's funny because there's a guy <laughs> on my hockey team whose last name is Foxcroft and we call him Foxtrot, Fo Foxy, you know, Fox, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it comes down to semantics a little bit, or at least the way she phrased that. And uh, 
maybe it's just maybe they've split up into two groups temporarily and that's what they do. So Lydia going, they all leave for the winter, guys, wouldn't be accurate and therefore um, not something she would say. And just to stave off an email that I probably will get, I know it's Alpha Bravo Echo Foxtrot, uh, Delta Echo Bra- Foxtrot, uh, not Alpha Beta. It's Alpha Beta Gamma Delta Epsilon. Uh, sure. Do you know, know your Greek alphabet? I don't know my Greek alphabet. No, not better than you. That's for sure. But but the radio, uh, the radios stuff, the things you say on the radio for letters, it, it's Alpha Bravo. Right. Charlie. Charlie Delta Echo Foxtrot. What's the one for? Q. Is it quinoa? <laughs> I don't think it's quinoa. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure someone. If That's only there one. was a way to look this up, but we'll do it later. Awesome. Uh, where are, are we now? Okay, so next we have an email from Chris in Syracuse. Hi, guys. The Whisperers were on spring break and did not see the uh, caravan going over their territory. However, Michonne and Daryl left a calling card. Uh, the three mystery snowy, sorry, yeah, the three mystery snowy walkers standing in the path were eventually found to be just walker sickles. And after Daryl and Michonne dispatched them, they walked through two more standing ones. Perhaps Alpha set up the walkers as potential notices after their vacation. If someone killed off the walkers, it would tell her someone was on her turf. So stand up a few walkers frozen yeah. like that in ice. If uh, If they are chopped down for whatever reason when they get back they're like oh someone came here and did this if they're just still standing there then you can assume that nobody came by yeah it's like putting a hair in your door jam do you know that one uh yeah if the hair's still there no one has gone in your house that's right or opened the door or opened the door or you know blown on your door (laughs) right so (laughs) standing walkers uh is like putting a hair in your door yeah Okay, and it could, anyways, sense. it could give away the fact that our group went through Whisperer territory. Um, I think it's a long shot, but hey, why not? Those were warning walkers. Well, they're going to know, right? There's going to be some dead zombies, and the Whisperers wouldn't kill zombies. So even if, like, they're decapitated zombies, they're not just, like, dead zombies. Yeah. This is probably, you know, did zombies just die? No, they but just, there's still probably just bodies all over the no, place. No, but do, do they rot to the point where they're immobile? And like we saw one lying on the ground uh, that they walked past, mm-hmm. right? That was just, uh, and they didn't bother killing that zombie. It was just, it fell over because it rotted to the point where it couldn't continue moving. Uh, but does eventually the brain rot enough that it just dies? Um, it's a really good question. I I don't think we've ever seen that. The one we no. saw on the ground that you were talking about, I think was only a half zombie. I think it was only the torso, but we've seen yeah. things like that plenty of times on the show. Some that just yeah. can't move because they're too rotted. They're grown into a tree. They're only half a body, whatever. Yeah. So, okay. So my point is that even if these zombies weren't stood up as calling cards or stood up as uh, as a way of telling if somebody went into their turf, coming across decapitated zombies in their turf would be a dead giveaway anyway. It would, yeah. You know, Beta would go, you know what? We wouldn't kill these zombies, right? They would just, we just let, let, let them wander around until we needed them. Right. Uh, so somebody killed them. It wasn't us. must be them. And yeah. this is really an us and them, us or them situation. So I'm going to go ahead and assume it's them. Yeah. We weren't here. It must be them. Yeah. So yeah, they're going to know. All right. Next up is Don in Wisconsin. Don says, Jason. Chill out about the show's portrayal of winter. No. (laughs) 
they nailed an important part about northern winters, snowbirds. The Whisperers have clearly retreated to their condos in Florida for the winter, just like your retired neighbors. Maybe they RV'd. It gave a little realism to the show and explained the allure of the Whisperers to survivors who love a temperate climate year-round. They're probably going to be pissed, though, when they come home in the spring and find out their neighbors left a bunch of zombie corpses in the yard. Oh, so Don Don knows. <laughs> yeah, Don knows, exactly. Uh, for anyone who is unfamiliar with the term snowbirds, those are people who live in a northern climate or, you know, north-ish during the summer months, yep. but then go south often, if you're Canadian, Florida. to Florida yep. to, for the winter uh, months. My grandparents used to do that for a long, for years. I have family that does that. They, yeah, they go down for the winter for sure. Right. It's uh, it's just a thing. I mean, why live in the freezing cold if you don't have to? Because I like it. Well, uh, and- I personally you, like it. If you don't like it, but I yeah, guess you I do. was talking to my mom on the phone today. She's coming up next week. She's like, what's the weather like? What kind of coats do I need to bring? Uh, and I said, well, the weather's around 10 degrees Celsius right now. So bring, uh, you know, bring everything because- who knows what's going to happen? The weather's unpredictable. She's like, what coat are you wearing? I'm not wearing a coat. It's seven degrees outside. I don't need a coat. <laughs> well, most people would need at least a light jacket in that. No way, man. Short sleeve shirt. Depends That's what, what I've been wearing outside. Depends what you're used to as well. Yeah. I like it. I know. Well, you're a, you're a cold, uh, cold uh, lover, lover, cold lover. Are you a cold lover, Jason? I, I do like, I do like the cold. Okay, the good. Way, uh, did I tell you how I think of it? You know, when you get into a hot tub. Yeah, you, like it's like get in. It's just like this warm, glorious feeling. You just get in there. It's hot. We you have know it's hot. Yeah, but you and you don't want you don't want to spend forever there. But it feels good when you when you sit in that nice hot warm water. We I feel that exact same way when I walk outside and it's snowing. Okay, it's interesting. Just, when it's cold, that cold hits you. I just go ah, oh, it's just glorious. I love it. Well, I don't want to go too far down this road, but we have very different opinions of hot tubs. I can't I, stand them. I hate. No, the no, I'm, I, I'm just I'm using that as an illustration point because I don't like hot tubs. I've it's been like, oh well, I'm not sure I've ever been in. Oh no, in the early '80s, I was in a hot tub once. Okay, well, it sure sounded like you like hot tubs, but no, I just I'm, I know people have that feeling when they get into uh, a hot tub. That's so. That's what I'm trying to explain is that that feeling that normal people get. Uh-huh. That's the feeling I get when I walk outside in the winter. Oh, good. All right. Well, there you go. To each their own. Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from James in Blind River. When Gabrielle announces that they'll G- recall Gabriel, come Gabriel, on, Gabriel, Gabriel, <laughs> Gabriel. Yes. When Gabrielle. <laughs> Also known as Father Gabe, announces that they'll reclose. I was wondering who Gabriel was. Gabrielle? Damn it. Okay. James from Blind River writes, when (laughs) Gabriel. Do you want to like type out Father Gabe so you can read it right? (laughs) All right. James from Blind River writes, when Father Gabriel announces that they'll re- relocate to Aaron's house, that sudden shot of the cold-looking people huddled in chairs and crowded in the back of the room had me laughing out loud. That meant that they were the dinner theater audience to Negan trying to push Gabriel's buttons. Before that, I thought only people in uh, the place were Negan, Judas, Sadiq, Eugene, and Gabriel. There must have been a chalk line drawn on the floor for separating the groups. The privileged ones got to be nearest the, to the fireplace. Yeah, I wasn't 
really aware that anyone else was there either until that one shot of like a bunch of randos like huddled all together. Yeah. Uh, and I agree with James. It was a little wacky to see them there. Meanwhile, we're focusing on like all the characters we know who are the ones like over in front of the fireplace just before it explodes, I guess. But maybe uh, they liked the cold. Maybe they you yeah. know, felt the fireplace was just too hot for them and they wanted to be on the other side of the room where that, uh, that blasted hot air wouldn't reach them. Yeah. They were, they're like you, they, they, they prefer the cold, but it was kind of funny just to, I guess, give us the information that yes, there are in fact more people here. So we're going to have to tie them all together with a rope in the next scene. Uh, otherwise, you know, how would you know what's going on? So, yeah. And did you see how drafty those windows were like with the, the curtains blowing? Didn't, uh, Judith have the window open? No, but they were also blowing like behind Negan was another window and, uh, the curtains were all moving because the wind was blowing through the, uh, uh, through the window panes. It's like, Mm. Jesus, the workmanship on this thing was probably pretty God awful. Well, if that much draft was coming through. Yeah. Very old. Yeah, maybe this isn't the best place to huddle down for the winter. Maybe uh, no. Maybe build build a place that you can hang out in the winter. Lots of insulation, you know. Yeah, I, well, I assume also that there's no insulation in here because where would they get insulation? I guess anywhere. You know? Yeah, anywhere. Probably every, every house in town has insulation. Every house in the next town over that nobody's using has insulation. Just truck it over and mattresses too. By the way, so if you need mattresses, just go get some. Negan took them all. I assume they got more. Well, yeah, he took them all. They probably went and gathered some more after that. Yeah. Otherwise. Yeah. Cause Negan was lying in one conveniently uh-huh. at the end of the episode. Wouldn't okay. that be shitty if they just made him sit on a box spring? Here you go. Take just that down on this. It's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Next is Anna in Wales. Anna writes, I was very confused by the movements of people in this episode. It was long enough since the fair that Judith, Rosita, Eugene, and Gabriel had returned to Alexandria, but everyone from Hilltop still seemed to be at the kingdom. For some reason, Michonne was still at the kingdom. Seriously, after what Alpha did last week, would you really let your children out of your sight? And Aaron, who wasn't even at the fair, was now at kingdom. Why? Had enough time passed for people to move between the kingdom and Alexandria, but not for people to get back to Hilltop? So confusing. I really would love to see a map showing how far apart all these settlements are. Sometimes it seems to take days to get to Hilltop from Alexandria, and other times it feels like they can go there and back in a day. Well, okay, so there's there's a few things to unpack here. So yes, a lot of people were moving around, and that's fine. And we I think we can trust in the fact that it's been a couple of months. Yes. And it's not just that the people are going back to Hilltop as well. It's everybody in the kingdom leaving and moving to Hilltop. So I think that uh, people like Aaron and Michonne uh, and Daryl and uh, Lydia went to the kingdom to help with that move right. specifically. And that's why they, uh, he left Dog with uh, with Judith. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's been enough time that people can move around and have moved around. Uh, that's really the best explanation for it. Yeah. We don't need to see every uh, trip back and forth, right? And of course we don't. We only check, we don't see, you know, every minute of every uh, day of these people's lives. So um, people just moved around. I agree though, it's a little bit confusing to do that without the sort of very obvious uh, six months later or three months later or whatever it is, somehow to tell us that, right? right. Judas is 17 now. 
Yeah, exactly. Some yeah. some way to tell us that. So I do agree it's kind of confusing, not the best way to do it, but you just have to go on the fact that time has passed, people have moved around, stuff's happened, and this is where we're picking up the story from here. Yeah. And they'll never, ever, ever show us a map of where these communities are because that that's just the writers painting themselves into a corner. Exactly. If they actually define the distance between the places, well, they have to stick to that then. And I think they like the ability to play fast and loose when they need to. Yeah. It's the same thing on Game of Thrones. Early yeah. on in Game of Thrones, it seemed like it took forever to get anywhere. Now, I swear, people can just like teleport between locations as the show well, wraps up. Well, that happens in every video game, right? I mean, when you start a video game, distances are very, very far apart. And then somewhere during that video game, you get the ability to fast travel. Often right? you do. Even if it's just glossing, like, uh, for, for example, the, the Fallout series or Fallout 4 that I, I played recently, uh, you don't have to fast travel. Like, there's no way to teleport or anything like that. And you can walk between all the communities. But once you've discovered a place, in quotes, you can now elect to fast travel to there. And right. then it just... It, the time does pass, but you don't have to do it yourself. Yeah. So it's just, it's like fast traveling. So unlike Game of Thrones or or this, sure, they can fast travel. I don't think it's a matter of them, uh, you know, taking a rocket to get from point A to point B, but it just gloss over the time it usually takes. This time they couldn't do that. They had to show us the time it takes. Right. It's the yada yada over the travel. And that's fine in most cases. Yeah. Right. I get it. And it's like in 24, 24, for the first bunch of seasons all took place in Los Angeles and, uh, uh, Jack Bauer could get across LA in like no time flat. Like, cause the whole show took place in real time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had to get from point A to point B in like, you know, a commercial break. And to do that in Los Angeles in the middle of the day, uh, would be quite difficult to do. Yeah. Or pretty much impossible at any time. Yeah. Like nothing takes an hour. No, that's a like, big. You can't do a whole, the amount of shit that they packed into an hour of, of that show. I, I should go back and watch that show. That was a good show. I never watched any of it, but I agree. You should go back and watch it. Yeah. They definitely, they couldn't yada yada over anything in that show. No, I bet they found creative ways kind of to do it though. Well, commercial they? breaks. There you go. See? But, right. the, but they didn't really, that was just mainly to get them from point A to point B. <laughs> sure. So... Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, I'm okay with yada yada travel most of the time. Yeah, and, and going to the bathroom. You can yada yada over that. That's right. We don't need to see that. That's right. Eating lunch, you know, probably not that exciting. <laughs> yeah, and not, not that Jack Bauer ever ate, but whatever. Uh, next, we have an email from Dan in Hoboken, New Jersey. He's all spelt out. See, that's what I like. And you, all- you can also pronounce Hoboken. What did I say? You, that's exactly how you said it. I'm just surprised. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a strange word. Like, is it Hoboken or Hoboken? It's or, Hoboken or Hobo. That's or the Hobo- name of Ken. That's the you know Ken's moniker. He's Hoboken. Hoboken. Yeah. See. Yeah. Okay. So Hoboken, New Jersey. Uh, Hoboken in New Jersey. I mean Dan in Hoboken in New Jersey. Ooh. Uh, Dan writes regarding dog. He was with Judith because Daryl and Lydia had been staying at Alexandria. They left for they left the kingdom after the incident and only went back to help the move. Lydia offered to do whatever was necessary to earn her keep, and Daryl didn't want to leave her unattended and vulnerable. Right. So I included this one after the last message from Anna, just to kind of help drive home the point that yeah, time has passed, people have moved around, 
and um, Daryl came back to help with the move and didn't necessarily need dog for that. Although I still think if I was Daryl, I'd take dog everywhere I went. Yeah. If I had a dog, the dog would go with me. Exactly. Especially a dog as handy as dog. You know, he knows yeah, what he's doing. That brings, dog. You f- brings you feet and everything. He does. Hands. He listens. He, he, you know, responds to commands. Great dog. Retrieves bolts. Daryl could have used that in this very episode. He could have. He shot that. He shot that zombie and had to go after the bolt himself. Yeah. Didn't have like dog. Like a chump. <laughs> like a chump. All right. Uh, Jennifer in Minneapolis. That conversation between Carol and Daryl was so weird. Carol is talking about her feelings about Lydia and Henry. Then suddenly Daryl makes it about himself. That was out of character and a weird question to ask at the time. Why did Carol break it off with Ezekiel? I don't think they did a, they did a good job of uh, explaining. I feel like all of this is more stuff to get the Carol, Daryl shippers all amped up. And that really bugs me. None of it felt natural. Well, Carol and Daryl are not going to be a thing. No, I don't think so. Unless, um, unless the show has taken a massive change of heart towards the type of guy Daryl is and this relationship, I don't think they're going to be a thing. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, if they were going to be a thing, there would have been a thing long before now. Well, yeah, but I can see how shows like to tease that sort of thing. And don't forget, we've had three or four, four different showrunners, different writers all the time. I, I think you're right. If if they were going to do it, they would have done it before now, but they've never we've never had a will they won't they. I mean, she called him Pookie once and uh they were kind of chummy at the prison, mm-hmm. but then there was nothing. Like it was it was nothing. Like but, literally nothing for years. Right, and then until but uh, to be fair, there was almost nothing from Daryl for years as a character, but now they've given him more to do. Angela Kang's come on and they've brought those two closer together again. They they're at least um, pushing their friendship, you know, hard again. And that's fine. I like that, but that doesn't mean there's going to be anything romantic between the two. No, there isn't. I absolutely believe that. Yeah. There is. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I I kind of agree that, uh, uh, the, the actual breakup was not really explained. I mean, they kind of hinted at it, like they're going through problems like they mentioned that uh that they're, they're having marital issues at this point but uh well you said nothing, a couple of days ago you know the loss of a child is the kind of yeah. thing that can you know just destroy people to the point that you can never come back from it and so that's what they're doing here right yeah, but they didn't tell us that right um that's, they didn't that was me saying that i think they the did show. i think they did tell us that in the show so? i mean that's what that's what carol and what jennifer is just saying right she's talking about her feelings about Hen- Lydia and Henry. Um, I think, I think there's enough there to explain the difficulties in her relationship with Ezekiel. Um, and she's confiding in her like old friend, Daryl. And that's, that's fine. That's perfectly normal. I think all that's good. Um, the bit about, uh, him suddenly making it about himself by asking that question, what was the first thing you thought when you saw me? I think he's just trying to make a point there so to give Carol's kind of something to to think about, right? It's like you saw me at first and I was pretty weird and bad and I had a bandolier of squirrels and all that. And, you know, look, I turned out okay. So. Did um, he? Did he really? Yeah. I think he's he's, still, he's still a work in progress, I think. I think maybe he's still a work in progress, but he's coming along. Yeah. Right. I mean, obviously he's getting paid a lot more now, so he's coming along. At the very least, Carol knows she can trust him. 
and he'll do whatever he needs to do to help the people around him. That's, that's true. Yeah. You know, he's he's definitely not going to stab her in the back. He's a loyal fricking guy and loyalty goes a long way. It does. All right. Next we have an email from Melissa in Maryland. Holy crap. Did you hear what, uh, what that jerk, the King said to Daryl? Telling him to step aside and leave so he and Carol could put their lives back together. Is he kidding? Oh, hell no. He has no idea. I realized as I was watching that he's never been around Daryl and Carol together to know how important they are to each other. And when he saw it, he didn't like it one bit. He's obviously insecure uh, with the Kingspeak affection, and he's re- which is really old. But to try and drive away your wife's best friend after the death of her child because you're jealous is truly awful. That sneaky, possessive behavior totally turned me off to his character. I was rooting for him to die from that moment on. I hope he gets his head on a pike. What a snake. Oh, harsh, man. That's pretty harsh. Uh, I, I don't mean to continually pick on you, Jason, but the word is affectation, not affection. It does change. Oh, I did, I did know that. I meant to make a note. Affectation, you're right. Changes the meaning of the sentence slightly. But anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah, the king, I don't have as much hatred towards him as Melissa and Marilyn does, but, you know, that's fine. Hey, uh he does need to allow his queen, Carol, the time and the, whatever she needs to do to, to heal and get better. Well, they're going through a rough patch. Right. right? I mean, not just as a couple, but uh, as the, the king is losing his kingdom, he's losing his wife, he lost his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, uh, he's feeling pretty vulnerable. And uh, insecure yeah. about this whole thing. So I'm not surprised that he would do things that would uh, uh, show that he is insecure and he's uh, trying to uh, to do things to help keep Carol around. And he's doing something stupid, like trying to get rid of Daryl. Yeah. Uh, but it is because he's insecure and jealous, but his jealousy and insecurity is uh, definitely justified. Absolutely. And I do agree that he's going about it the wrong way. Like you don't go straight to Daryl and say, F off, buddy, uh, you're making things worse. Like you, I think anyways, you, you deal with the problem with the people involved. Like if he has problems, he should talk to Carol about it, not go and try to scare off Daryl. Oh yeah. No, that's the right thing to do. That's what I think. Don't, uh, don't drive away. You know, driving away someone's friends and family uh, is a way to control somebody, but it's not a way to r- build a relationship. No, or repair one like he's trying to do here. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, I find Melissa's um, take a little harsh, but I agree that with her mostly that, that the king is on the wrong track here to to repairing or fixing, you know, what he's got going. So yeah. uh, I certainly don't wish the king uh, death. Or have his head on a pike. <laughs> I don't want to see that. That's pretty harsh. That's but pretty uh, harsh. maybe he could just get his shit together. Yes. Get his shit together. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. And don't try and usurp the uh the hilltop. I mean, sure the you know, calling it the king top is good for a good for a laugh, but I don't think they're there to take over, right? No, they're not like, there the to The king's t- not gonna be the king of hilltop now. No, he's definitely not, unless the people want him to be and they make that known. But he Yeah, then they can elect him king like a king should be elected. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think he would have any intention of walking in there and being the king of Hilltop. Um, and if they're going to call it Kingtop, like I kind of think they should just call it Killtop. 
I think that sounds nice too. And yeah. he could be the king of the hill. King of the hill. See? There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on. Next is a call from Lindsay. Hi, Chris and Jason. Lindsay from New Zealand. I've only just finished watching um, season nine. Great wrap up. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And I just want to say thank you so much to you guys for all the work you've done through the season. Um, I really appreciate it. It keeps me company with all the driving I do this side of the world. Um, also, hopefully somebody touches on it um, and hopefully you guys can bring it up, uh, maybe discuss it a little bit, is that final scene of Alpha. Um, I still got to listen to your uh, recap of the show, so maybe you have already touched on it, but is she potentially finding herself weak and whipping or getting whipped to punish herself for being weak? Or is she getting ready to potentially be tortured by our other group if she gets caught? Um, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand it. I get that she's a psycho um, and that she's really not in tune with life as it is life and more about becoming guardians and all the rest, but whatever. Um, if, what is your take on it? Do you think it's a torture thing or do you think that she's punishing herself for actually allowing herself to feel upset about losing Lydia? Um, I know that they definitely didn't need much of an excuse to start a war between the rest of the communities. So once that snow melts and they see all, you know, these zombies slayed, I'm sure that will be enough of an invitation to start causing crap. But anyway, um, let me know your take. Um, thank you again. And yeah, cheers. Thanks, Lindsay. So I want to talk about uh, that whipping scene a little bit there and, and the intentions of what was was going on. I think um, it was a little bit of a hardening or punishment type thing because didn't Alpha say, you know, I've been weak. I'm, I have to be ready for what comes next. And, you know, maybe this kind of infl pain inflicted will, will help her uh, get there. Um, yeah. that's, that's how I read it. But I think the idea that training yourself for pain and torture is, uh, horrific, but also maybe something that alpha might do. <laughs> yeah. You know? I don't think it's punishment. I don't think she's trying to punish herself or be punished for anything. I think she's trying to prepare mentally for the pain that is about to come. Yeah. And to do that, she needs to be used to the pain. So if you get used to the pain, you can you can get used to anything. Uh, you know, so getting whipped is, is a way of, uh, mentally preparing for, uh, upcoming pain. And people do that to train their bodies, like for martial arts and stuff. Uh, they'll beat the shit out of their shins on a regular basis in order to toughen up. Uh, so that, uh, when you go to kick somebody with your shin, it doesn't hurt. Oh, even though I can't hurts. even imagine such a thing. Yeah. It's like calluses. You build calluses on your fingers from, you know, playing guitar. Yeah. Uh, and then, so that when you play guitar later, it doesn't hurt. Right. The same way. Plus, yeah. Well, I, I guess she's, she's inflicting some physical pain on herself or I guess having beta do it in order to be prepared for when, you know, someone else is inflicting physical pain on her and it won't affect her as much. Yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, it's definitely not. Uh, it's not punishment. It might be even. Uh, yeah, I don't. I can't see it as being. You know, wanting to be punished. She's not the kind of person that wants to be punished. She well, doesn't seem seem like that kind of person. I I think that might be a an element to it though. Like just based on what she said, 
um, I wasn't ready or I was soft and, uh, or I was weak and this is what I get for it. I think it might have both. There might be elements of both in there, a punishment and a preparation. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. All right. Next, we have an email from Trucker Tom on the road. uh, Trucker Tom writes, when Negan was wounded by the, uh, my first thought was who shot him? Then I realized that he was supposedly hit by flying debris. However, the wind would need to be at hurricane levels to hit him hard enough with debris to cause a tourniquet-worthy wound that lays him up in bed. Yet clothes were not flapping, people were not leaning into the wind, the snow wasn't flying sideways like bullets. I've seen many shows and movies that have done blizzards far more realistically. I mean, that may be true, but I feel like it was a pretty strong wind storm. Uh, The snowflakes weren't flying sideways, though. They were still kind of flying off in random directions. It was like a a wonderful snowy evening, but they added wind sounds and apparently flying debris. I don't know. It seemed pretty windy to me. Yeah, maybe not enough to, like, injure him that badly, but it depends what was flying through the air. You know, if it was sharp, some sharp piece of metal or something... I mean, I guess that might not be flying through the air, but it could. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you, we in hurricane strength winds, yes, I can see that kind of thing being uh, uh, dangerous. Like after hurricanes right. uh, and tornadoes, they've, you know, they found straws embedded in trees. Oof. The wind was so hard that the straw would just like dig into the tree like six inches. That's pretty bad. Like you're talking about drinking straw? Yeah, drinking straw. Hit at the right angle, like they're pretty strong, right? I guess so. Uh, it hits wow. sideways, they bend, but uh, they like it's they they like this is a real thing. They found straws embedded six inches into trees. That's crazy from, uh, from the the force of the wind. So yeah, you know, being out in a hurricane is dangerous. You get hit by signs. You get hit by cars. I mean, from the hurricanes I've seen in movies, which are probably pr- pretty hurricaney. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this it did seem like it was windy, but uh, not the kind of windy that would have something that would hit him hard enough uh, that would require a tourniquet and lay him up in bed for a week. Yeah. Well, I don't think he's been in bed for a week, but. He was in bed long enough for everybody to get from Hilltop all the way to Alexandria. Oh God, you're right. Stupid distances and time. They're playing well, fast I mean, and loose. Yeah, sure. They yada yada over it, but uh, you know, he was in bed for that length of time. Unless of course he wasn't in bed and they forced him to stay in the, uh, in the prison. And then they finally said, you know what? This is getting infected. We better put you in somewhere a little bit better. Right. So they finally moved him. It's because they were treating him so crappy after saving Judith that, uh, they moved him upstairs. Thanks for saving Judith. Go back in your cell and get a nasty leg infection. Good luck. That's right. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, I don't know. The, The storm seemed strong enough to me that I didn't question it at the time. But you're changing my mind. They were kind of implying that the storm was that intense. Obviously, he was hit by something that was flying that fast. Everybody was hanging onto a rope in order to not go flying off into the wind themselves. Right. So we're looking at hurricane force winds here. So a blizzard cane? A, a, a blizzard? A, a blizzard cane, yeah. Well, I think A blizzard cane. I think it's just called a blizzard, actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So blizzard. So it was a, it was a pretty nasty blizzard, but- there was some parts that were, uh, that the snow flying around didn't look like it was a blizzard. All right. Well, it looked like it was snowing pretty hard. Yeah. Which but it wasn't a blizzard. Okay. Maybe not. I, well, I don't want to get into the definition of blizzard, but I feel like heavy snow is blizzard, but I think blizzard is a no, winter no, storm. No, blizzard is, has, you have to have wind. You have to have wind. All right. 
I'm looking it up. Blizzard. Oh, I'm just going to get fucking video game shit. Uh, Blizzard definition. There we go. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to it. All right. Nick in New Jersey writes, at the end of your podcast, you mentioned the possibility of the zombie apocalypse contributing to climate change. This is totally a thing. Recent scholarship has shown that in the 1500s, when millions of Native Americans were wiped out by European diseases to which they had no immunity, all those deaths contributed to climate change, specifically an event known as the Little Ice Age. Millions of Native Americans were no longer burning vast areas of forest, and that led to regrowth of trees that sucked up a great deal of carbon from the atmosphere. In the case of the zombie apocalypse, there is no question that worldwide, there would be billions and billions of humans removed from their usual activities of spewing carbon into the atmosphere. So it is certainly the case that the zombie apocalypse would cause some measure of climate change. The extent of such an effect is certainly debatable, but it would happen for sure and would probably be massive. So perhaps that is what the writers had in mind when they conceived of this major storm. Well, I think it might be a coincidence, like a tri-level coincidence here. It was it, the fact that we mentioned it and it it's a real thing is a coincidence. I think that it, if it happened on the show and it's a real thing, it's a coincidence. The only non-coincidence here is that it happened on the show and we mentioned it because we were talking about the show. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think okay. it's, uh, you know, uh, human beings. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. No, I was just going to say the writers did not have this in mind. I okay. firmly believe that. They probably didn't have it in mind. I think it is an interesting thing to speculate on, though. The sudden disappearance of most of the population of the world obviously will have an impact on the climate of the planet. Well, didn't we get an estimate? Robert Kirkman say that something like 10% of the population is left, or was it 2%? Do you remember that number? No, I don't even remember that being a thing. Uh, but Somebody mentioned it somewhere. Somebody threw out a number that, uh, you know, 80% of the population on the world is gone. Huh, okay. Well, they're zombies. And they're not breathing, so they're not really, you know, contributing to greenhouse gases by breathing, no. like cows do. And, and the uh, other- but- thing is of course that when people are no longer people and like all the factories shut down and no more cars are driving like it's a massive massive snowball effect of uh of of difference uh, of climate difference based on you know what people are doing so yeah then all the nuclear power plants go critical and start spewing stuff into the atmosphere again Mm -hmm. uh so you know it's it's there's probably a lot going on as far as uh, stuff that's no longer going into the atmosphere and stuff that is now going into the atmosphere. I'm sure there's a tire fire that's uh, that's happening that's uh, you know burning uncontrollably. It's not like you can really do anything about a tire fire. It's like, yep, that pile of tires is on fire. It's been, it's been that way for 35 years. What can you, you do? Well, eventually, yeah, someday. <laughs> and then, then there's that coal mine that's on fire. It's been that's been going on for like 60 years, maybe even longer. Like right now, there's a coal mine on some fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's coal mines. There's coal mines that have been burning for like a hundred years. Oh, great. That's <laughs> exactly what we need. <laughs> no, it's been around for a hundred years. It's fine. It's oh, an it's underground fine. fire. What are you going to do? <laughs> Hard to get down there to do anything about it anyway. Yeah. There's pretty much magma down there anyway. So the fact that it, there's heat underground is like, so what? There you I mean, go. The magma's burning shit, volcanoes and stuff. That doesn't really hurt us. But, you know, not unless you're living on a volcano. You know, a vol- tire fire or a, you know, coal, coal mine fire over there is fine. You know, being in the middle of one, probably bad. Probably bad. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought it was interesting 
an interesting thing to speculate on a little bit. And Nick had some info. So, so yeah. So the, the storm, if, uh, if there is climate change, uh, and then we're getting a little ice age, then, uh, having a, a bad winter storm kind of makes sense. Yeah. Extreme weather. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, maybe it's one of those extreme weather climate change things where it, the wind is strong enough to blow debris that requires a tourniquet and lays you up for a week or so. But snowflakes are so resilient that they don't blow around <laughs> like pieces of barn. It's just uh, cats are living with dogs. Everything is out of control. <laughs> That's hysteria. <laughs> Mass hysteria. All right. Next, we have an email from Mark in Seattle. I think most of us can agree that this wasn't the strongest season finale and the best type of episode is one that closes out the season and sets up the next one. But would you rather have this type of ending where nothing much happens and the season really ended in ep the episode before uh, on the 15th episode of this season or close out a season with an ending like the major Negan cliffhanger we got a couple of seasons ago where nothing really gets wrapped up and there is so there is too much unknown. So we kind of addressed this earlier on at the beginning of this podcast, but I would way rather be in this situation than in the Negan introduction situation. Right. And, you know, basically what's happening here is I'm disappointed, but I'm not angry. Absolutely. There's, I, I much prefer being not angry. I, yeah. And I do think that the last episode had, you know, that incredible stuff in it. And this one just didn't. Uh, so, but, but, but I feel like there was an ending. There was a completion to season nine, right? I'm a little bit angry. Don't be angry, Jason. Don't well, be angry. Well, I'm a little bit angry. I mean, the, the main bad guys we've had over most of this second half of the season, or all of this second half of the season, and part of the first half, they were all, they went on vacation. Like, even if it was just Alpha, Beta, uh, Echo, Charlie, Foxtrot, uh, that went on vacation, still, the major people in the whispers went on vacation. That's not a way to have a season finale. I'm a little bit angry. Okay. But I'm not as angry as I was with, uh, Negan killing somebody. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I reiterate, I would rate, I, I'm much more comfortable with what we got here than what we got with the Negan thing. And like I was saying, like season nine felt like it had a story arc from the beginning to the end. And, it did have an ending, a satisfying ending, um, with the promise of, of more to come the way they kind of handled the main villain. Yes, it wasn't very good in the season finale. Um, but, but overall I'm still, I'd still take this any day over the Negan cliffhanger. I'm I'm a little bit pissed now that, uh, we have shortwave radios, which can go hundreds and thousands of kilometers and yet. Eugene had to put up a relay. Well, I forgot to bring that up actually when we were talking about the radio. Is that in fact a shortwave radio? I just went on the assumption based on well, the it's not an FM radio. Uh yeah. It's not a CB. No, I guess not, but I mean, how many different kinds of radios are there? Is it uh, I don't know. Is it safe to assume that that's a shortwave radio? So talking back to Alexandria is obviously no problem and he could also talk to like Paris? I I really don't know. I, I I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering now that, uh, you know, shortwave radios have such a long range, uh, you know, two days of walking is a long way. It's pretty right? far. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to do the math, but it is hundreds of kilometers, isn't it? How far can you walk in a day? 
Uh, most people don't walk a hundred <laughs> kilometers a day. No. I mean, you can easily walk like 20 or 30 if you had to. Okay. So if you walk four miles an hour uh-huh. for eight hours, right? Four times eight is 32. Yes. So that's, that's 32 kilometers, 32 miles. Well, so it's 64 miles. So like not even a hundred, a hundred miles in two days. Right. I mean, for someone who called out an American for using kilometers, you're suddenly a Canadian using miles, but I'll go with it. I know four miles an hour. I don't know how fast you walk in kilometers. That's my problem. Okay. I had to use, like, I know that you can walk four miles an hour at a a pretty good clip. How fast you walk in kilometers is, I'm not really sure. Probably about 6.5 then if you're walking Well, then my math gets harder. Okay. So let's say five kilometers an hour and let's just do the math there. Let's say five kilometers an hour for 10 hours. That's 50 kilometers. So a hundred kilometers in two days. Uh, Right? Yes. But no one can maintain that speed, but fine. We'll go with it. Not many people. I don't can. know. How fast is five kilometers an hour? Can you walk that fast? I can walk that fast. You can, but not 10 hours. For, not I mean, for these 10 people hours. have been walking around for seven years. So they're good at it is what you're saying. They're, they're good at walking. All right. <laughs> um, why are we talking about this? Because we're trying to figure out what the range of a shortwave radio is compared to the distance between Alexandria and the hilltop. Right. And did Eugene really need to put up a relay? It sounds like not. No. Because yeah. it's not that far. When you're considering that a shortwave radio can go a thousand, well, thousands of kilometers. So, and the next question is, were they putting up the relay to, for the, specifically to talk between the towns or were they putting up the relay in order to try and reach other people that may be out there? I think it was to speak between the towns. I think they actually okay. said that. Yeah. So, you know, fast and loose with the radio technology on this show. Short. It's a different universe. We've established that. They there have soft heads. They heal quickly. People heal quickly. Uh, you know, maybe radios work slightly differently. Who knows? Maybe and they do. snow definitely works differently in this universe, right? We didn't forget to, you know, think about that. Maybe snow is a lot more dense. Things are and just different. Maybe, maybe it was a piece of snow that hit Negan. <laughs> a really sharp piece of snow, yeah. Yeah, it was just a hunk of snow that fell off something and apparently, you know, heads are soft, but snow is hard. Snow is hard. Watch and out. maybe that was why they didn't want to go out in a snowstorm because it's like being, uh, you know, being pelted with needles. Pelted with hail the whole time, yeah. Yeah. Ouch. Okay, well, let's go ahead and assume that. I can get on board with that. <laughs> the snow is different in this universe. All right. It's just different. Very hard snow. Yeah. Hard, yeah. hard snow that behaves weirdly. Sure. Uh, one more email here from Ellie in Brisbane, Australia. Ellie writes, it's kind of a long one and it sort of sums up things a little bit for the season. So I included it at the end here. I have a few thoughts in general to share on season nine. First and foremost, it was a huge improvement on seven and eight. Although I didn't tap out on the show through those times, it was pretty rough going and I often didn't enjoy the show or the story. This season turned that around dramatically for me and I found myself looking forward to the episodes rather than dreading them. I guess you could argue that without the trials of the previous seasons, season nine wouldn't have been such a relief, but I think Angela Kang has done well to set things back on track. I find it sad to say, as you guys noted the other week, that I don't miss Rick in this new dynamic. If we consider the way his character was by the time he left, I don't think I could have watched him continuing to agonize over everything. It was, quite frankly, exhausting. I was not that in love with Rick by the end, and by the end, he really started to annoy me with his almost obsessive behavior. I'm glad he left and would only hope to see him again at the end of the show 
or just in the movies. I thought they handled the end of this season well, with so much to look forward to. The final episode was a bit filler, the snow was awesome, but it set up a lot of good things without being too annoying. I don't agree with a lot of people saying it should have ended at the Pikes. That's just classic Gimple, and I think Angela Kang has proven you don't need to be quite so brutal to pique everyone's interest for season 10. Point well taken, but I don't think that this piqued my interest for season 10. Um, yeah, maybe not quite, but, uh, I think it's okay. Uh, a little more on the radio as we discussed, but overall, I think Ellie makes some, some good points that, you know, we, we lived through some dark times there in season seven and eight and, uh, season nine was a real ray of sunshine in the end of it the was. day. Yeah. Even though it ended with no sun at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was sunny at the end. It was, it was. When they sunny. got there the next morning, the storm was over, everything was good. They were happy. They got to, they got to Hilltop and the King of the Hill is there now. The King of the Hill, the King of Killtop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. That is going to do it for our feedback for this episode, but you know what, everyone, there is more. I did not have as much time as I wanted to over the last couple of days to actually go through all of your emails and messages and calls and so on. So there is a little bit more. And I think there is more that is worth um, bringing to the the podcast. So we're going to wrap it up here right now for tonight. But next week, Jason, we're not going to take any time off. We're going to do another podcast with a little bit more listener feedback for season nine and probably some other stuff, too. Um, okay. so, so some you, news and some, you know, something to look forward to for season 10. And do we know when, uh, do we know what we're doing for Fear the Walking Dead? Like that comes back on June 2nd. On? I think June 2nd is the date for Fear the Walking Dead. Um, we'll talk about that as the next few weeks goes on because there might be some changes to the way we cover that show. We'll see. Um, but in terms of the short term, next week, we're going to have more listener feedback for season nine. And so if you didn't hear your message or your call here, uh, you know, I, I can't play everything absolutely, but there's a few there that I, that I skimmed over that I want to get on, uh, on the show. So we're going to do that. Um, and yeah, like you said, maybe some news and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So fear not, it will be uh, next week. Okay, cool. I have a couple of things. Do you? Yeah, I have two things. One, a definition of a blizzard. Okay. Right. A, a blizzard is a snowstorm that has winds of 35 miles an hour or more, uh, with snow reducing visibility to one quarter mile or less for at least three hours. I feel like that means what we saw on the show qualifies as a blizzard. I think it's a blizzard. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's good. And the other thing is that uh, it didn't make it into the feedback, but you mentioned that uh, somebody wrote in uh, about my doors, the doors knowledge. And uh, so I forget who, I don't know if you told me who it was, but you're absolutely right. I was thinking in my head of uh, Robbie Krieger when I said that uh, the guitar player was whispering on the Riders on the Storm. Ray Manzarek uh, was the keyboard player. Uh, So you're you're absolutely right. I was thinking Robbie and said Ray. uh, I do know the difference between the two. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, Robbie's the electric guitarist with the electric hair. Okay. Pretty, pretty crazy here. I don't know my doors, so I'm not sure what that means, but I, uh, I trust you and I trust the listener. (laughs) Yeah. And John Densmore. All right. One of my heroes of, uh, of drumming. He was, uh, I, when I was learning to be a drummer, 
I got a lot of inspiration from, uh, from him. Yeah. Okay. The listener was Alex, by the way. Oh, so, thanks Alex. I'm go. glad you, I'm glad you emailed and uh, corrected that. And I wanted to make sure that it got onto the air. Yeah. Very good. Um, I forgot all about that, but yeah, don't get things wrong, Jason. People will. No, and that's why I wanted to, there was something I wanted to clarify earlier. Oh yeah. About uh, Alpha Bravo, uh, Charlie Delta Echo Fox Grunt. Right. Good. <laughs> it's not Alpha Beta. That's the Greek <laughs> alphabet. Yes. Different things. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's it. That's it for this podcast. Uh, like I was talking about, we'll be back next week with some more stuff. Then after that, during the next, uh, couple of months, um, until there's more walking dead on the air, um, there's a, at least one thing I want to do that people have been asking about for a long time. And that is a review of the British zombie miniseries dead set. Dead set. Dead set. Yes. I've already seen it and, uh, but it was some time ago cause it was, it's kind of old at this point. It's from a few years back at least, maybe more. Um, so I've seen it. I don't think you've seen it. Um, I've never heard of it, but it's like six episodes, um, or four or five. <laughs> it's somewhere in there. It's not a ton, but I think I'll watch it again. You should watch it and we'll do an episode just covering that because. Oh, you do, you do something fun. I've never heard of it. You've seen it. Let's review it right now. Uh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't think that would be <laughs> right, effective. <laughs> I also want to rewatch it. Yeah. Okay. So that's something that we will do over the next, uh, I don't know, month and a half, exactly the timing I'll figure out, but it's been the kind of thing that more than one person has, has mentioned to me and said, you know, would love to hear your thoughts on it. So it's about time. Okay. And we're, we're going to do other stuff too. We're going to do an actor spotlight. Maybe, maybe we'll do an actor spotlight. Done one of those in years. No, it's, it's been a long time. Um, so we'll have to decide who is worthy of the actor spotlight. Yeah. I think the last one we did was, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and I missed that movie. The accidental husband that I know. is now encoded into my DNA. Yeah. You watched it five times. Yeah. It was awesome. It's amazing. All right. Well, maybe we'll do one of those too. That's, those used to be fun. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like for a while there, we kind of went through all the main cast and then, and then didn't really have anyone to do it on, but uh, we'll get did we ever do it. one on Daryl? Yeah, we did. Yep. Did we? We did what for did we sure. Watch? Well, I know we watched one of the, um, Boondock Saints movies, a couple oh, other things. Oh, right. Okay. You know, you know, <laughs> there's, <laughs> you remember Stephen Ogg? I do. I, I mean, he's got lots of stuff. He's not on the show he's anymore. He's not on the show, but. But he, he does have a recent movie that's either out now or coming out or straight for TV or something about him alone on a space station. Someone also said, why don't you watch this? Jason would love it. I should watch that. What's that called? Uh, I'm going to go to Stephen Ogg right now. Don't right, remember. That's not really, you know, riveting podcast. No, but maybe we'll talk about that just because it's Stephen Ogg. But anyways, there's a few things coming up. However, that is going to do it for tonight. So thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. If you'd like to send in some more feedback, you can do that, of course. We'd love to get it. Go to TalkingDeadPodcast.com. Click on Send Voicemail at the top. You can record us a message. You can also um, record it with the Voice Memo app on your phone and email that in to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. In fact, that's where you should send all of your email to the show and it will come right to me. And, uh, I read everything we get, even if I can't include it all on the podcast. So I really appreciate everything that comes in. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at talking dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. Those are the best ways to get in touch. 
So with all that being said, we'll see you again next week with a bit more feedback and then some more fun stuff after that. But until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.